You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Happy Father's Day. Pastor Jurgen here. Man, am I glad to be sharing a word with you today from the Scriptures. It is an incredible word. And uh, on Father's Day, I actually want to speak about fathering, fatherhood, and fathers. This is going to be an incredible message. So come with me in your Bibles to the book of Malachi. He's also been claimed by the Italians as the only Italian prophet, Malachi, in the Bible. That's actually not true. That's not true at all. But anyway, come with me to Malachi chapter 4. We're going to read from verse 5 and verse 6. Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6 says this. It says, And behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Verse 6 says, And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. So I want you to see that, that God says that, that before the second coming of Christ, there will be a prophetic move of God in the earth. And what it's going to do, it is going to remedy what is cursing society. What is cursing society is fatherlessness. Fatherlessness is a plague. The reason that this is a reality, and we can, we're going to go there in a second, we're going to look at it, because you're going to see factual evidence of the fact that where there is an absence of the father, there is the presence of a curse. Where there is an absence of a father, there is the presence of a curse. You're going to see that. So God says in the last days, there'll be a prophetic move. There'll be an Elijah anointing. They will turn hearts to their fa- hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children back to their fathers. You know, as a, as a father, as a man, it's very easy for me to have my heart set on my business, my heart set on industry, innovation, my heart set on prosperity, on blessing, my heart set on my own aspiration, my goals, my pursuits, my wants. But God is going to bring a move. And I believe that God is awakening even through our church, through our Emerge Men's Ministry, God is raising up, God is elevating the value of a father. I need you to understand that when Sodom and Gomorrah was in a mess, Sodom and Gomorrah was an absolute mess. It was a mess on every front. The exploitation of the poor, the corruption in the government, the corruption, the wickedness, the perversion, the sexual immorality of the people, it was a mess. And to overthrow Sodom and Gomorrah and rescue Lot and his family out of there, God sent in Abram, which means exalted father. God sent a father into chaos. And the devil knows the power of, an, uh, of a father to overthrow unjust, corrupt, and perverted systems. The devil hates the father. So let me give, just give you a, uh, a, a few reasons why the father is under such attack. According to the scriptures, the father is the custodian of blessings. As a father, you are a custodian of the blessing over your house, over your home, over your household. 
because there cannot be a curse unless there's also a blessing that is meant to be in place. The devil knows this, that wherever there is a blessing from God, and that's what a custodian does, a custodian brings from God. Remember, remember um, Isaac. Isaac is, is just moments away from dying. And he says to Esau, the firstborn, go out and hunt wild game such as I like. Bring it back to me that I may bless you with the father's blessing on the firstborn. And we know the story Esau goes out and hunts. Meanwhile, Rebecca schemes with Jacob and she goes and prepares a young goat because mama knows what daddy likes to eat. So she prepares a young goat and Jacob's like, mama, Esau's a hairy man. I'm a man of smooth skin. He's going he's gonna to see right through this and I'll be cursed. She says, your curse be upon me. So she takes some of the hairy skin of the goat and she puts it under his sleeves and kind of sticks it onto his hands. And so when he walks in, he says, father, here's your food. Isaac, who was almost blind, said, who are you, my son? He said, I'm J uh, Esau. He says, you're Esau? The voice is Jacob's. Let me come close, come close that I may feel you. And as he came close, he felt the rough skin. He said, okay. And uh, Jacob had put on his brother's clothing and he could smell his, his brother's smell. He could smell his brother's uh, cologne on that smell, on the clothes. And so he thought, and so he blesses Esau. No sooner has, has, sorry, he blesses Jacob, not Esau. No sooner has Jacob left that Esau comes back. And he's like, here I am, daddy. And he's like, who are you? He's like, it's Esau, your firstborn, hello. And he goes, well, and then he begins to tremble. And he says, well, if that's you, who did I just bless? And then Esau wept and said, isn't he truly called Jacob? usurper, schemer, scammer, because he stole my birthright. He stole my blessing. He stole the blessing. The blessing was so powerful that once the blessing was released, there was no curse that could come against it. And so the devil knows that you and I as a father have a priestly position over our home to be a custodian of the blessing of God and release the blessing of God. Now, let me prove it to you just from statistics and from society that where there is no blessing of the Father, there is the presence of a curse. Watch this. The poverty rate, if we look at poverty, somebody growing up without a father is four times more likely to end up in poverty because there's no father present growing up. Got nothing to do with their zip code, nothing to do with their IQ nothing to do with their schooling, nothing to do with their ethnicity, has everything to do with whether a father is present in the home or not. An absent father, four times more likely to grow up in poverty, drugs and alcohol and addiction. There is a massive, massive increase in people that grow up without a father on drug addiction, alcohol addiction, and all kinds of of vices that they give into because there's no father, there's no custodian, there's no blessing, there's no stability, no security. Physical and emotional health, behavior problems, suicide. You are twice as likely to commit suicide if you come from a father absent household. Behavioral problems are also through the roof where there's no father. 
kids act up and there's nobody to bring that discipline. Not only that, but sickness and disease is 74% higher in a father absent household than what it is when there is a father present. So there is a covering, there is a blessing that when a father is present that, that, that evades off, that, that staves off the curse. There are higher levels of aggressive behavior with young men who grow up without a father. And maybe it's to compensate that there was no strength in the home, so they, they uh, overcompensate by being aggressive. So they are more likely to rape, commit armed robbery and assault if there's no father in the home. Education and achievement. People that come from father absent household have lower grade point averages. They are more likely to drop out of school, 71% drop more likely to drop out of school than somebody with a father. Father involvement is associated with not only the higher likelihood, but uh, getting mostly A's is a regular thing where a father is present and involved, whereas the opposite happens when there is no father involved. They drop out of school. They end up in truancy or in expulsion is a 300% increase. Likewise with college dropouts. If the, if the young man or woman is able to make it through high school and go to college where there's no father present, all of a sudden that it becomes that much more difficult to stay in college, hang in there through college and complete college. Crime, much more likely 91% of prison inmates come from father absent household delinquency. In fact, the majority, the majority of all crimes committed are committed by people. There was not a father in the house. Sexual promiscuity. Teen pregnancy is seven times more likely, seven times more likely for a young lady who grew up without a daddy in the home, without a father in the home. Promiscuous, broken, depressed, depression and anxiety are through the roof where there is no father present. So I want you to see right there that what the scripture says is a reality. So I want us today to honor our fathers. Now, let me just give you three quick points in just a few minutes we have left. The first point is what I call scoreboard reality. Point number one is scoreboard reality. Scoreboard reality. What do I mean by that? Well, if you study the scriptures, which I encourage, if you read the Bible, which I encourage, you'll find that God created man to win. God created man to achieve. God created man to conquer. You were created to win the battle. You were created to accomplish, to achieve, to strive. We were created to break boundaries, to, to put a man on the moon, to put a man on Mars. We were created to, to swim the depths of the oceans. We were created to discover discoveries. We were created to conquer mountains, to climb Mount Everest. We were created to come up with innovations and inventions, to, to put to put people in a fuselage made of metal 30,000 feet above the, the, the ground, flying at 500, 600 miles an hour through the air. We, we created air travel. We created space travel. We created automobiles. We create the creative genius of men. You were created to conquer. You were created to win. Now watch this. You cannot win if you don't know the score. 
whether, you, whether you're playing baseball, whether you're playing football, whether it's soccer, whether it's boxing, everything keeps score. And you'll find often in the final rounds, a, a coach will say to the, to the fighter, listen, you're behind on the scorecard. You got to go for a knockout. Your only win is you got to rally. You got to suck from the deep depths of, of your soul right now. You got to pull from, from the, from your inner, strength and you got to come out there and you got to knock this guy out you can still win the fight it's not we want to know man do i need to hit a home run or do i just base it or do i need to swing for the fences that there's something about us that wants to know the score we need to know the score so we know whether we can win now watch this what the enemy does is he knows that you and i as men were created by god to win to conquer to achieve to accomplish so what he does is he uses the scoreboard against us. I'm 52 years of age. I've been married for 28 years this August. I got saved 34 years ago, and I'm a father to a 25-year-old, soon to be 26, to a 22-year-old, to an 18-year-old, and to an 11-year-old. I'd love to tell you that in all that time, I feel like, yeah, I finally arrived where I no longer I'm losing on the scoreboard. There's probably not a day, a week, a month, a year that goes by where I don't feel like I'm behind on the ledger, where I don't feel like I, I'm behind on the scoreboard, where I'm failing as a husband, where I'm failing as a father, where I'm failing to connect, where I'm, I feel like I'm failing in this area and I'm weak in this area. The devil knows this, so he plays on you to disqualify you. He wants you to believe that it's not even worth going out on the ninth innings. He wants you to believe there's no point even putting your bat and standing there. There's no point even swinging. It is over. He wants you to believe that, hey, they're ringing the bell for the 10th round. Just stay on that stool. Don't you even get up. You're so far behind on points. You're such a loser. And you never even had a daddy, so you don't even know how to be a daddy. Why don't you just quit? Why don't you just open that bottle and go back? The devil is a scoreboard keeper, but there is a scoreboard reality. God knows your weaknesses. And I need you to understand the Bible says, God speaking, that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. In your strengths, you don't need God because you got this. But in the areas where you're weak, in the areas where you're struggling, in the areas where you are most vulnerable, that's where you need God. And may I just say to you, the greatest gift you can give your children is not just your strength, but it's letting them see your struggle, letting them see your weakness, letting them see your humanity, letting them see the areas where you're broken, letting them see the areas where you don't have all the answers where they see, man, my daddy, even when he didn't know how he was going to pay for it, says, we're doing this. My daddy, when even when he didn't have the answers, says, we're going to find a way around this. We're going to find a way through. What a daddy. I'm telling you the legacy that you can leave. Just go ahead and give all the dads and all the fathers a praise right now because we want to honor you for hanging in there. You're a father, whether you feel like you're a hundred out of a hundred or whether you feel like you're a seven out of a hundred. You're a father and God wants to work with you and his strength is made perfect in your weakness. And thank God there's a lot of places in my life his strength can be made perfect because I know that there's a lot of weakness on the inside of me, but I refuse to back up and let the devil move in with his curse. I'm going to stand as a custodian despite my failures, despite the ledger, despite what's written on the scoreboard. I'm going to stand, I'm going to occupy this territory and I'm going to bring in a blessing of God because my children deserve better. Somebody say amen. Second one is the greatest challenge is also the greatest impact. 
the greatest challenge in your life is also where the greatest impact, the greatest legacy and the greatest reward comes from. For me, being a father to my kids, it, it was easy to make the babies, if I was honest with you. That was a fun part. But once they were here, I didn't have a roadmap. My father, who ran away from his father, who had an abusive father, an alcoholic father, an angry father, an absent father, my father disconnected. Unfortunately, wherever you and I go, there we are. And everywhere we go, we take ourselves with us. So you can never get away from you. That's why you got to be like the prodigal son who came to himself and then returns to his father's house. You got to come to yourself and return to Christ, return to God, because only he can heal what is broken. Only he can mend what is disjointed and dysfunction and in disrepair on the inside of you. You got to come to God. You got to let God rebuild you. And so in my life, I found that all of a sudden I'm a father, but I have no idea how to be a father. And the model that I have is a broken one. Now, I may say to you that at that time I knew what I didn't want to be, but knowing what you don't want to do doesn't help you to know what you do want to do. Knowing how not to do something doesn't mean you know how to do something. You just know one way how not to do it. There might be another million ways how not to do it. It doesn't help you. I had no idea. So I had to come to God. I remember being at Bible college. And God began to speak to me. He says, the first thing you got to do, son, is you got to forgive your daddy. I'm like, uh-uh, uh-uh-uh. I ain't forgiving my dad. Number one, he ain't asking. Number two, he doesn't deserve. He does not deserve my forgiveness. And God's like, I know, I know. I know he's not asking and I know he's not deserving, but neither were you when I hung on the cross. You were neither asking nor were you deserving, and yet I did it. See, when I was in Bible college, I thought, well, maybe, maybe I can harbor this hate for my dad and maybe I can keep this bitterness because, man, I've got a preaching gift and I've got a leadership gift. And then God began to show me that my preaching and my leadership would be laced with this broken harshness with a, with a cold disconnect. It would be methodical. It would be, it would be uh, hard. It would be uncaring. It would lack sympathy, empathy, and compassion. There would be no love or mercy because of the d issue of my heart. And God says, I don't care how good your preaching gift is or your leadership gift is because what you're going to deliver through those two vehicles is going to be broken and wrought with dysfunction. You got to forgive your dad. So finally I said, all right, I'll forgive my dad. He says, too late, I'm doubling down. So what do you mean? He goes, I need you to tell him that you love him. I'm like, I never heard those words, never heard the words growing up, I love you. They were never words. Never heard the words, I love you. Never heard the words, I'm proud of you. Never got them, never heard them. So now God is asking me, the child to lead. He's asking, shouldn't my dad be the one? He's the dad, he's the father. And then God said, yeah, but he's not saved and you are. And somebody's got to be the curse breaker. You want me to use you? Break the curse. You want me to use you? Go first. You want me to use you? Be a Joshua. Be strong 
and courageous and you be the line breaker. You be the one that brings down that wall. You be the one that ends the transgression. You be the one that sets a new legacy in motion. So I said to God, okay, on my wedding day, on my wedding day, I'll tell him that I love him. I remember on my wedding day, I was more nervous about the covenant that I made with God than anything else. And uh, I remember as there was a circle coming up and my dad put out his hand all staunch, like the, you know, the strong German that he is. And I pushed his hand away and I gave him a hug, grabbed him in a hug and said, dad, I want you to know I love you. And he's like, yeah, 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 you're okay, you're okay. And he's trying to push me away. And I just held on to him. I said, dad, I want you to know I love you. He's like, yeah, 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 you're okay, you're okay. And he's trying to push me away again. And then the third time I said, dad, I want you to know I love you. All of a sudden he just, he just went limp. We go away on our honeymoon. We come back from our honeymoon and we're flying back to New Zealand. Our honeymoon was in Australia. Our wedding was in Australia, but I was living in New Zealand. I was taking Leanne with me. And so we're coming back. The next day we're flying back to New Zealand. And when I got back, my dad was up at the German club drinking with his buddies. And uh, anyway, mum said, oh, why don't you go up and say goodbye to your father? And I said, okay, I'll do that. So I drive up to the German club with my new bride. When I get there, uh, Uwe, one of my dad's friends, and Gustl comes up and says, hey, what's wrong with your father? And I'm like, oh, shoot. Like, has he had a heart attack? Like, did he fall down the stairs? Well, what do you mean? What's wrong with my father? And they're like, yeah, yeah. Ever since the wedding, something's happened. He's become a, a real softy. Something had shifted in my dad. See, he'd never heard the words, I love you. And when I spoke them, something shifted over him. He became a completely different person. I watched him with our kids. He would hold them. He would cuddle them. Even my little brother would go, he was never like that with us. And now look at him. Something broke. The power of forgiveness, the power of I love you. Then a number of years ago, God said to me, I want you to now go to another level where I want you to honor him. I'm like, okay, God, I can do the forgiving. I can do the tell him I love him. But God, tell me one thing that he's done that's honorable. One thing. When my mama was sick, he pushed her down the stairs so that she broke her nose. He was abused. You name one thing that he's done, I'm waiting that I can honor him for. And God said to me, I'm not asking you to honor him for what he's done. I'm asking you to honor him for who he is. The, the fifth commandment, five, five is also the number of grace, just so you know in the Bible. The fifth commandment is honor your mother and your father that it may go well with you in the land, that you may live long and have a blessed life. And God says, when you dishonor your father, you dishonor yourself. I said, how am I doing that? He said, because every cell in your body carries the DNA of your mother and the DNA of your father. If you cannot forgive him, if you cannot honor him, you bring dishonor on yourself. So we said about honoring him. And I've got to tell you, I don't have time to go into it, but it was a pretty expensive time. But something shifted again. Something broke again. God is good. I want you to know it's been the greatest challenge in my life. But it was as I forgave my dad, as I made reconciliation and honor there, I found that there was an anointing that hit my home that helped me be a better father to my three sons and to my beautiful little princess. The greatest legacy that you will leave is that of a father. Point three, and I've got to finish because I'm in altar call time. Point number three is I need you to understand that the DNA of God is in fathering. The DNA of God 
is in fathering. When Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he says, when you pray, say, our father. God is a father. I'm not sure whether you realize this, but there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. The first two letters, the Aleph and the Beit, or we know as the A and the B, the Aleph and the Beit, the first two letters of the Hebrew alphabet spell Father. The first letter, the Aleph, is always associated with God. God, Beit, Aleph, Beit, Aleph, Beit. Aleph, Beit, literally, Ab is where we get the word Father, Abba, Father. First two letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Why am I sharing this with you? Because it's so important that you understand. The Aleph and the Beit together is the, the ox and the house, the strength and the house. The Father is the strength of the home. He is the protection of the home. He is the provider of the home. He is the custodian of the blessing of God for the home. He is the gatekeeper of the home. He is the one that pushes back darkness away from the home. He is the one that, that controls the thermostat of the culture on the home. Fathers are under attack. The devil wants to attack. Unfortunately, in our African-American community, they have one of the highest rates of fatherlessness. And we can point our fingers and say, well, that's why the crime and that's why, but you know what it really comes down to? A, a lack of fathers. We got to change that in our generation. We got to change it in our culture. We got to change it in our society, but it begins today. And you know what? You can't, you can't see something that you won't champion. So today I want to champion all of our fathers. If it's, if you're a father, then I want to say happy Father's Day. Thank you for being a father. I know the scoreboard may look like you're, you're in a deficit may look like you're losing, but I want to tell you that God is with you and God is for you and His strength is made perfect in your weakness. It may be the greatest challenge, but the greatest challenge in your life also produces the greatest rewards in your life. And I need you to understand as a father, you have the DNA of God. You are the protector, you are the provider, you are the covering, and you are the strength of that home. Lead your home, lead your home well. God is raising up fathers. He's turning the hearts of the fathers to their children and children to their fathers. Let's start a brand new legacy. Let's start a brand new era. Let's start a brand new culture. I want you to know, wives, today, blow, blow some, some smoke, blow some kisses towards your husband. If he's a father, champion him. You know, a woman can do two things. She can nag him, believing it's gonna get better, or she can cheerlead him, getting better. Many years ago, Leanne and I were fighting and she was frustrated, exasperated with me. She says, what do you want? What do you want from me? And I said, a cheerleader? She's like, what? A cheerleader? You just like those short skirts. I'm like, mm, yeah. But even more than that, I said, you know, I was at the football game watching the San Diego Chargers when they were the San Diego Chargers. And I said, and when they were winning, the cheerleaders were cheering. But when they were losing, the cheerleaders was whether they're winning or losing, the cheerleaders still cheered for those men on the battlefield. And can I just encourage you ladies, nagging never produces what you want, but cheerleading will always get great results. Cheer your man. Children, sons, daughters, honor your father. Well, he's an alcoholic. Well, he's not there. He's, don't honor him for what he's done. Honor him for who he is. You'll find that you, you will change him. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these beautiful people watching today. I know there are people here under the sound of my voice, you're away from God. Let me just say this. If you grew up without a dad or with an abusive dad or with a, 
However you grow up, however your dad was, is how you will first see God. How you will first see God. If your dad was cruel and indifferent, you'll see God as cruel and indifferent. If you see your dad as uncaring, you'll see God as uncaring. That's why you got to come to God so that he can make that reconnection so you can see the whole world the way it's meant to be. So if you want to come back to Christ, if you need to come back to Christ, go to awakenchurch.com forward slash Jesus. Awakenchurch.com forward slash Jesus. Click on that. Make a decision today. We want to know if you made that decision. So follow the prompts there. We want to get some stuff to you. But Father, bless these people today, I pray. Bless them, be with them. We honor our fathers today. You're legends. You're awesome. God bless you. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.